well-lived life is a journey of consciously crafting the best version of oneself. Wellness and joy do not occur by chance. They are fostered by manifesting one's true light with courage and strength. Overall being occurs by creating a respectful, aware relationship with oneself and with others. That's the motto of today's guest. She's a clinical psychologist, author, consultant, advocate, and speaker. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kalimali. How are you doing? I am doing wonderfully. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much for joining me today on, on this episode of Mirror Talk Podcast. I sincerely love your uh, motto, a well-lived life is a journey of consciously crafting the best version of oneself. How did you come up with this motto and how has it been, the journey, as how has the journey been for you, you know, crafting the best version of your own life? That's a deep question, Toby. And what I, where I came up with my motto, I love to write, I love to live. And through my life, I have learned that Early on, I was raised in a Catholic family. I'm the ninth of 10 children. So I was raised in a way that you listen to your elders. You do what you're told. You you follow the path that is set before you. And so I was guided and pressed to be an attorney. And it was in law school that I realized I'm not meant to be an attorney. I'm meant to do something else. So I broke tradition and um, my father was very displeased and obtained my master's Mm. in counseling psychology and then went into because um, life took me on a different path and I needed to pay bills and do all sorts of things. So I ended up working for years in the investment field Mm -hmm. and realized very soon that I was doing it to make other people happy, to make money for other people. And money is not one of my priorities in life. Happiness is. Mm -hmm. And so it took me a long time to realize that what I needed to do was completely break with other people's expectations and find my own and so it was actually in doctoral school um, that I for the first time met people who felt like my people people who spoke the same and thought the same and were after the same things had the same priorities and it was there they really found my people and started really exploring who I was as an individual and through that process which is where my first book came from my first book joy from fear was actually the result of my fear research Mm -hmm. which was to understand if the fears that held me back in life were similar to other people's fears. Mm -hmm. And so I developed both a qualitative and a quantitative research tool to investigate other people's fears. Mm -hmm. And so basically what I found was that people who live in a very fear-based mindset, like I was raised in, tend to be self-limiting. They're limited because of their worries about what other people might do or displeasing other people. And so what I realized through time, lots of research, lots of self-discovery, is that each one of us has a different path in life. And when we learn to look inside, to really work at polishing who we are and pay attention to who we are and what our code is mm-hmm. and living in loving, healthy ways, we tend to slowly but surely take steps in the right direction that help us to shine and radiate as no other person on the planet can do. Yes, yes. And how, how did you do that? How did you, you know, take time to pay attention to who you truly are? 
to, you know, to study yourself to know, okay, this is who I am and this is what I am meant to be or to do. Another fabulous question, Toby. And we live in a world that is very externally oriented, mm. where we say we're so busy and we don't have time for self-exploration or self-discovery. And to be fair, there are people, and I've been there at times in my life, where you are working so hard to make ends meet, to make your mortgage payment, to pay the bills, to make everybody happy, that self-discovery, self-exploration, what? It seems like a luxury or, or tell, you know, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. I'm just trying to live, right? But yes. for many of us, we can move past that state mm -hmm. by really looking at our priorities mm -hmm. and realizing if I have time for my hobbies, mm -hmm. if I have time to watch television or, you know, doom scroll on the internet for five hours or whatever, mm -hmm. I can find more balance and make time for me. Mm -hmm. And Carl Jung, he, um, I have a quote in my office that says, who looks outside dreams? who looks inside awakens. Mm -hmm. And I'm a Jungian trained psychologist. And so yes. what that means is I really listen to a lot of Carl Jung's principles. I also have my own principles, but I'm very much guided by Jungian psychology, which is all about looking in. Mm -hmm. And so for me, and I work with people where it's about the practice of learning to pause, mm -hmm learning and it's it's a constant journey i can get you know on full speed and forget to turn inward and so it's that practice of always coming back to center it's one of the reasons i love yoga yes it's physical exercise but it's also spiritual exercise mm -hmm. spiritual exercise to remember that it's okay to be in discomfort mm -hmm. it's okay to sit and just be and it's okay because we're in such a externally oriented world again where we're taught to pay attention to what other people think of us yes. pay attention to how much we accumulate mm -hmm. to um, listening to what other people want yet if we turn inside and consciously come back and say what is the next best step for me mm -hmm then we automatically show up in the world in a better way because it is that cycle, right? If I'm doing something that is truly good for me, mm -hmm. I will naturally be having a positive effect on everyone in my world. True. That's very true. That's very, very true. And I, I guess this is what motivated you to take this um, holistic and you know the body mind spirit approach to your um your services or to psychology that you do is that right yes i am very much body mind spirit oriented because being body mind spirit oriented doesn't mean you need to be religious or it simply means that you need to become in touch with your essence we can mm. call spirit essence right yes. so for me whether it's you know i was like i said i was raised catholic but i bring in definitely elements of buddhism into my life because i really appreciate that just being way of energy and so mm. i also think if we just look at the body mind spirit what we think right, affects what we do and what we think also affects our bodies. Mm -hmm. So if we look at it in a very simple level, if I'm afraid of having a conversation with you, yeah. I am going to 
you know, my fear is going to come up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put my body into a fight or flight state, mm-hmm. raising adrenaline and cortisol in my body. Yes. And in short bursts, fear like that is meant to serve us. It's meant for us to look at a threat and deal with a threat. Mm-hmm. But we're often living in fear mm-hmm. day in and day out. So, of course, in that simple example, we can see how me being afraid to talk Mm. to you or to anyone else, Mm. if I stay in that anxious or fearful state, I am keeping elevated levels of cortisol and adrenaline in my body, and they're not meant to be there. So it's destructive, not just for my emotional and mental health. Mm -hmm. It is also destructive for my physical health. It is also destructive for my spiritual health. Why? Because I'm not staying here in the present. I'm not just enjoying my conversation with Toby or, or navigating my way through it. I'm missing you. I'm not even seeing you because I'm so afraid, right? (laughs) So if instead I just say, Toby has good intentions, Mm -hmm. I have good intentions, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be here and be present for whatever shows up. and everything will be fine it changes the dynamics that's freedom by the way oh freedom freedom joining podcast (laughs) freedom has just walked in he's my giant schnauzer and he's actually it's really really great that he walked in just now because he is a reminder to me of being present and being balanced because Mm. i can get very work focused you know Mm. i have so many people i want to help and so much i want to do that i can lose track of of the importance of being present for play Mm. and he will often come to me he knows just when I finish a session and he will come and he will bat at my arm and push my arm up like mom it is time to take a break (laughs) we are going to go and you're going to throw the ball for me at least three times or something like that and so uh, he is actually a force of balance in my life Mm. And so that's an important piece to realize is that we don't always have perfect self-balance. Sometimes it comes in the form of a partner or a pet, some, or a reminder on your phone, you know, take a minute to stay balanced. And we have become, because we've been so, become so divorced from Mm. nature Mm. where our very recent ancestors spent most of every day and now most of our days are spent sitting true and so again that's part of the body mind spirit that if we allow ourselves to be guided when something calls us and Mm. not see it as an irritation and not say oh freedom go away don't bother me but Mm. if we say ah thank you for the reminder Mm. um then it really it's it's a mindset shift so i hope that's helpful yeah that's very helpful so the the body mind spirit approach like connects the body mind and spirits together making them a unit once more not just you know walking um, mindlessly on something or um ignoring your spirits your spiritual growth for example is is that right it is Mm. it is toby and where this emanated from descartes um was uh, was born in 1596. I think he died in in 1650. But what he did is many, he did many good things for us, but he also brought us what we call the body-mind division. Mm. Where before that period of time, we naturally saw the whole person. The Cartesian split 
it's called the Cartesian split, mm -hmm. brought us to this place of seeing the body as a machine divorced from the mind mm, right yes. and that the, the body is the machine it's also divorced from the spirit mm. what that did unfortunately is make us treat ourselves in a very separate way like oh this body i can treat it however i want and it doesn't affect my mind and it doesn't affect my spirit but we are very much the body mind and spirit they're inextricably intertwined mm. and when we even think about it that the gut, the enteric nervous system, gives the brain 90% information. The mm. brain only gives the gut 10% in that feedback loop. Oh. And when we think about that simple truth, yes. how just, and we are taught, ignore your gut, go with your brain. Mm. Isn't that interesting? It's that the is. gut that's feeding a lot of information to the, to the brain. brain. Yeah. Right. And so we want to, and here's the power when we, when we divorce things, and that's why freedom was such a good example. My brain can tell me work eight hours straight, hmm. see, or work 16 hours. I'm completely capable of working that 16 hours straight. I get super hyper-focused, right? Yeah. And I can see client, client, client. But if we listen to the spirit and say, oh, that pup walked in to draw my attention to play. So I get out of my logical left brain that says, you can do this. And I get into my more creative, emotional, very important right brain that says, give yourself a break, go play with the pup. <laughs> right? Yes. And then in that break, I can choose my mindset to be grumpy that I was interrupted, or I can choose a mindset, a more spiritual mindset that says, what a lovely opportunity mm. to be in a great a place of gratitude and notice how the spirit comes up when we move into gratitude mm. for this opportunity to maybe step outdoors look at roses, you know, whatever's going on outside. Yeah. And so that's how, and so notice how in that simple break, I've actually also given my body a much needed respite to move my eyes, a chance to refocus. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the really important piece of the body, mind, spirit approach that Absolutely. we pay attention to the feedback loops of how they're all working and mm. not one part is more important than the other. The left brain's not more important than the right. Yes, yes, that's very true. And earlier, you, you, earlier you made mention of you know of fear, and fear is like a very powerful force that drives our life. Like even in the body, mind, and spirit approach, fear also influences how we you know connect everything together. And that draws me to your, your first book that you wrote, Joy from Fear. And I was really, I was really uh, captivated by what you wrote. I was checking the Amazon page, and you wrote. If you find yourself running away from fear, you are running in the wrong direction. Fear demands that we move towards it, face it, and hear its messages. When we fail to do this, the price is high. Chronic anxiety, sleeplessness, damaged relationships, skyrocketing pharmaceutical use, and more. So how would you advise us to embrace and manage fear? in order to become better people in life. This is just one of my favorite topics <laughs> because fear, we tend to think of, get over your fear. Mm. Get over it. No, 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 no. Fear. We have two types of fear. This is my paradigm. It's how, you know, I, I work. We have two types of fear. 
fear that is very helpful. The fear that says that dog is snarling at you or that mm. bear is chasing you. Yes. Handle the situation you are being threatened. Mm. We also have fear that is destructive fear. Fear that works against us being our better selves. Mm. That comes up as a threat response. Mm. That makes us run away mm. from new situations that could make us grow. It makes us run away from connection with partner because of some old script that's running in our head. Mm -hmm. It makes us afraid to ask for that job promotion when we know we deserve it, but we don't want, you know, the boss to get upset with, we don't want to rock the boat. It also arises in the realm of self-growth when we think, oh, I better just stay in my lane. This, this place is good enough. This relationship is good enough. This hobby is good enough. But if we listen to fear, if we listen to fear, it has a message for us. Mm. It will tell us, come toward me, look at me, see if there's a threat, and if there's not. And this will expand you as a human being. Move forward. Maybe move forward slowly, Always move forward mindfully, but move in the direction of your dreams. And when we use fear in that way, it becomes our friend. It becomes our friend because it becomes a guide to say, you're just talking about discomfort. Yeah. That's all this is. Yes. It's a new situation. Mm. It's uncomfortable, but you're tough you're strong, you're resilient, mm. you can move through it. Mm. And so that's what I love about fear is if we learn to dismantle it mm. to constructive fear, fear that's protecting us, keeping us safe. And it's often confusing, you know, sibling, mm -hmm. you know, the constructive fear, because we can, we can get the two confused, yes. then we can move forward. And that's why one of the, the things I work with a lot is anxiety and stress. Mm. So much anxiety, in fact, most of it, is because we're worried about something in the future that we can't even control. Mm. And so we have these levels of anxiety that are running, running, running. Now, remember, body is is here too. Yes. Body's going adrenaline, cortisol, adrenaline, cortisol. And remember, these heightened levels of adrenaline and cortisol on an ongoing basis contribute to diabetes, mm. heart disease, obesity, all sorts of physical issues. So we're seeing that body, mind, spirit approach. And then I'm not being present because with my spirit, with my essence, because I'm moving into the future to be anxious about something that generally is not a threat to me. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. So for example, many people will say, well, I'm anxious about work. Well, what are you anxious about? Oh, I don't really know. I just don't think I'm going to be good enough. Well, instead of putting that energy into worrying about not being good enough, put that energy into doing your best in the present moment. Or somebody might say, I'm worried about finances. I don't know if I can pay my bills. Hmm. Well, okay, that's a very interesting, it's an important thing to be concerned with. But worry? Worry doesn't serve you. Hmm. Anxiety doesn't serve you. Hmm. If you don't think that you're able to pay your bills, instead of worry, which is non-productive, anxiety, which is non-productive, yes. sit down, 
look at your bills, <laughs> figure them out, see where you can rein it in, see maybe you're so tight you can't rein it in anywhere else, work on a payment plan, see if there's a way to get, you know, some sort of loan or, or whatever it is, but you see how then you use your energy in a way that does help you yes. instead of just wasting it on on worry mm -hmm. and worry i believe is and this isn't my idea i can't remember where i heard it but it really rang true to me that worry is a form of prayer mm -hmm. and i never thought about it that way but since i heard that which was years ago i realized what when people don't understand that i'll say well if i tell you toby i'm going to worry about you <laughs> get off this podcast i'm going to be worrying about you Oh. Or if I say, Toby, when I get off this podcast, I'm going to be sending you blessings. Oh, that's better. And prayers. Yeah. And lots of healing light. Which mm -hmm. would you prefer? I love the healing light and the prayers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so, of course, because then I'm sending you. And when I'm working, I always, you know, here, here's one of them. I mm. always have a candle right mm -hmm. and this one's not burning right now but it's generally burning mm -hmm. and um to remind me to always be sending whoever i'm working with or will be working with or have been working with healing energy and love and light much better than sending worry out into the universe yes. doesn't do anything yes so how, how do you send this energy out? like you just send words of prayer in your mind for, for them or to them or wishing them good how do you do that? Yes. I just, I usually, it's funny, I even do it during sessions, right? Mm -hmm. I'll feel myself, my eyes will just close for a minute, and then mm -hmm. I'll just be send, saying, may you be healed, may you have strength, may you have resilience in your life, mm -hmm. something like that. And one of my favorite ancient blessings is this one. May you be filled with loving kindness. May mm -hmm. you be safe from inner and outer danger. May you be well in body, mind, and spirit. May you be truly happy and free. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and that is an ancient, ancient blessing of loving kindness it is mm -hmm. one of my you know go-to's and when we offer that energy to ourselves and to others it really centers us because yeah. even if i worry about you i'm draining myself yeah i'm right I'm, I'm worrying what am i worrying for right yeah. if i just turn that and take a mindset of i'm going to send you loving kindness mm -hmm. even if get this even if it's somebody who's harmed you. And that can be a hard shift. I've been in that place where somebody has harmed me and you want to forgive, right? Yes. And it's like, oh, right? You just can't quite get there. <laughs> and then when you shift it to, I'm going to offer you loving kindness and healing. Mm. It's a win-win because I don't have resentment or lack of forgiveness stuck in me. Mm. And if that other person even gets droplet of what i'm sending they'll be a better person and they won't go and hurt other people ah that's a good way to look at it yeah. <laughs> yes but it's quite challenging right it's quite challenging when you are hot or when you've been you know um i don't know insulted by someone to send light and um, blessings to the person but it takes a level of growth personal growth i guess to do that yes it does toby and 
as I remind people, we are all works in progress. We all have good days. We all have not so good days. And it's not, it's why I love yoga, right? Mm -hmm. It is not a perfect, it is a practice. We practice yoga, mm -hmm. we practice. And, and as much as we try to do better every day and, and evolve and be kinder and more loving, there are times that we have little stumbles mm -hmm. and so it's just learn from the stumble whatever caused it and move forward the next day just a slightly better version of yourself mm -hmm. and I think this takes me to you know really important piece so many people are raised in environments where you're taught that a mistake is bad mm -hmm. that you're taught that you are bad if you make a mistake mm -hmm. I really shift this. That's very fear-based, right? Yeah. I'm very growth-based. So when I make a mistake, mm -hmm. and this is how I try and work with other people, look at the mistake, mm -hmm. find the lesson. Mm -hmm. If you've hurt someone in the process, say, I'm very sorry. It's funny. I, I'll give an example. This morning, I said something to my husband, and um, I'm not a believer in sarcasm, right? I don't think it's a healthy dynamic, mm -hmm. and I very much try and steer away from it. And mm -hmm. I said something, and he says, honey, that felt sarcastic. <laughs> and I thought, wow. And my first response was, no, honey, that wasn't responsible no, that wasn't sarcastic because I'm not a generally at all sarcastic person. Mm -hmm. And then I paused for a minute and I thought, I can actually see how he would see it that way. Mm -hmm. I was being playful and, and curious in my head, but I could see how it came out that way. So I said, you know, honey, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. I can see how that struck you as being sarcastic. And I see that sarcastic edge to it. And I apologize. Mm -hmm. This is where I was coming from. But I can see that I engaged in a way that I don't like you to engage with me, so I apologize. And then we move forward. Yes, yes. And when we do that, when mm. we pause mm. to look at how did what I say or do affect another person, mm. we're flexing the muscle of empathy. Mm. We're and then when we take a healing action to apologize and really mean it, Yes. And many people will apologize and go, oh, yeah, sorry, your feelings are hurt, right? And <laughs> that doesn't feel good, really. But if we can actually step into the other person's shoes, we are growing ourselves. Yeah. And we're also growing with the other person mm. because then we're creating a bond of self-responsibility and trust. Yes. And we're holding ourselves accountable for being kind people. Mm. And uh, someone I love very dearly gave me a little, I'm looking at it, it's a Dalai Lama piece, and it says, my religion is very simple, my religion mm. is kindness. Mm. And I think if we strive to always come from a place of kindness, mm. as much as possible, we will be imperfect, you know, we'll have our days where we're a little crotchety or irritable, but if we always try to come back mm. to kindness, we can generally can generally do it quite okay. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. I, I, I really like the fact that you made uh, the example of you and your husband um, from what happened today. And I would love to talk about your, your upcoming book, Date Smart, uh, where you talk about relationships in general, in general, like, you know, how to transform your relationship and love fearlessly. And um, so my first question actually will be, you know, from, from your expertise, um, how can we, you know, build up mindful 
communication skills with other people, with people we're in relationship with, with our friends, with our husbands, with our, you know, with loved ones around us. How do we do that? How can we have these mindful and, you know, um, mindful skills or mindful communication skills with people? Oh, Toby, such a, such a great question. <laughs> One thing is yes. to don't watch so, so much TV. Mm. Don't watch so many movies unless you're really engaging about the content afterward. Play more. Play more with your partner. Interact more. Give more eye contact. Be present. Do not multitask. During conversations, do not multitask. The myth of multitasking, and is a myth, there's lots of research that shows it hampers all of our tasks because we cannot be fully present. It's an oxymoron for me to think I can be talking to you and, you know, texting at the same time. I'm not going to be present for either, right? It's the same with communication. If we show up, as I'm doing today and you're doing for me, saying, I'm here, I'm all in, let's go. No Mm. agenda, let's go. Mm. Let me hear what you have to say. Let me respond to it. Mm. Let me be present. And if I get something wrong or get off course or confuse you, bring me back, right? Mm. And if we enter a conversation like that, enter a relationship like that. Of course, there will be relationships that are more superficial where somebody's meeting just to have, you know, a drink or, you know, just want to talk about dress colors or hair color or whatever it is. And that's (laughs) absolutely fine. But we can even be present for that. Mm. We can even be present to hear somebody as they're talking about mountain bikes or their yoga class or whatever it is. Mm. And so what I really say is show up really just show up to be present. Whatever is out in the outer world, it's much like being with a child, isn't it? Mm. When we show up for a child and just sit with them and play with them, Mm. they feel loved. We feel loved. We feel connected. We lose that often as Mm. we age. Here's another piece. So I think that, and, and this is one of the more important pieces. So many times, people, as they grow, become wounded. Mm. And as we have wounds in life, we, let me get back for a minute. I believe that joy, you'll see where this is going. Mm. Joy is one of our five emotions. And joy, I believe, also is always within us. That's why my first book was Joy from Fear. Joy Mm. is always there. It's much like a little candle that's always burning we're born with it and as we move through life it's in a little glass container and sometimes so much soot builds on the container so much soot and we don't know how to wipe it off we're not even taught how to wipe it off we don't even Mm. think of wiping it off and it builds up and then we don't see our light anymore And we want it always to be burning. So we're looking for happiness. We're looking for this pleasure, that pleasure. But what we need to do is turn inside and wipe that soot off. Mm. Wipe the soot. And that's the self-growth. That's the self-work. So in relationship, if I've let my candle build up a lot of soot, and you've let your candle build up a lot of soot, and we Mm. don't pay attention to where the soot came from, maybe... 
people were cruel to me in relationships. Maybe you grew up in a, in a family that was just perfect, right? Mm-hmm. And you're coming from a place of goodness and trust and I'm coming from a place of fear and I'll let you get just so close to me and then her, you know, mm-hmm. I'll push you away. <laughs> happens a lot in relationships, mm-hmm. not consciously. And it's really where a lot of domestic violence and abuse comes from. Mm-hmm. Not because people necessary although there are people who do this but not that people necessarily want to hurt other people they've just learned their joy their life their light is so covered with soot so much pain that they see other people as being pain causers Mm. and so and it's so sad it's heartbreaking because i've witnessed you know i've worked with partners where this is happening and it's even it's, it's sad no matter what's happening, but sometimes it's tragic when you're watching two people and they both want to be loved, but they, they can't get there. There's just so much hate, so much, and it's just awful. And then it's also awful when you see one person who's deeply hurting and a partner who's healthy, who's coming and saying, let me love you. Let me love you. And the other person's going, okay, right? Okay, right? And so we need, that's where self-growth comes in. If we learn how to dutifully wipe that candle, the soot off, right? Wipe Mm -hmm. the soot off. That's the self-work. Sometimes we need the support of a professional to do that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we do. I certainly, one of the things I love about my master's program and my doctoral program, they require you to go through a lot of personal therapy, a lot. And my doctoral program required a lot. Mm. Absolutely, they should. Why? Mm. Because when I'm working with a client, I don't want my unhealed wounds, right, coming in and affecting the client. Of course, of course. No, and even if, even with all the work I've done, if something comes up for me, I've become so good that I go, ah, that's here, that's right. My piece is here, let's put it over there. And then, you know, later on, maybe go for a walk, understand why that came up, work on it, resolve it, consult if you need to consult. But you learn to do that. You learn to take that and pluck it and put it over here. Mm. And so we can also do that. You don't need to be a clinical psychologist to learn that quality. Mm. That's the piece where being in somebody else's shoes, taking our issue and going, oh, this is happening for me. I'm feeling like my example with my husband this morning. Oh, I can take myself out of this, observe myself, see that that could have been taken as sarcasm. Absolutely. Mm. It wasn't meant that way, Mm. but I could absolutely see it from his perspective. If I step out of myself, I could see me saying, I forget what it was about. It was something about something from childhood. And I was like, oh, I didn't have that experience as a child. You know, I wasn't in that realm. Yeah. And I could see how he took that felt sarcastic. Mm-hmm. And I've worked with him very hard on learning how his sarcasm affects me, right? <laughs> and yes. so for him to point that out made me go, wow, what a gift that he's become so good at avoiding sarcasm that he's, I think that's probably the second time in our entire relationship he's called me on something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Because I try and stay aware, but if I slip up, I really try to go, oh, there it is. Does that, is that helpful? Yes. That it's just such a process that we have to, if, if we're in relationships, so many people don't want to say, I'm sorry. So many people don't want to say, oh, my mistake. What's the problem? To me, if I make an error, 
it's a growth opportunity. Mm. If I just say, now, not sorry for the sake of sorry, but if, because an empty apology is often worse than no apology at all. Yes. But if I pause to say, Toby, I apologize for hurting your feelings. Please tell me more about what I did. You may say, well, you called me um, goofy. Mm. And goofy is a charged word for me. It mm. doesn't feel good. I connect it with X, Y, Z. Then I'll go, oh. And that's actually an experience that taught me. I called someone goofy. And, they, and to me, goofy is like goofy. And mm. this person did not like it and said, don't call me goofy. And I said, I'm so sorry. Tell me more. I mm. think of goofy as like a Disney goofy the dog in, in Disney, Goofy. Yeah. And he said, no, my dad would call me Goofy and be really mean to me about it. And I said, mm. oh, I am so sorry. Mm. So then I knew in the future to, especially with that individual, be very careful with words that may not be charged for me. And we are all have words that are charged for us. True that may not be charged for someone else because of our childhood experiences. Yeah. Because each one of us has walked through life such a different path. And that's why if we show up for our friends and really listen, mm. we can learn so much about that other person's world. Mm. We have, is it, it's just extraordinary to me that if we really tune into someone, you and I were chatting a little bit before the podcast and I could have gone on with you for hours because mm. you live in a different world than I do. Yeah. And if I dive into that space, I learn about Toby. How amazing to me that people let us into that world. And so I think if we commu as, approach communication from that vantage point, that it's a privilege if somebody wants to talk with us, what a privilege. If you love this first part of the conversation and would love to learn more about relationships, dating smart, and aging joyfully, kindly listen to part two. Thank you. Wow, you made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye.